Daniel walked along whistling, delighted with the pageant. People wore colorful clothing in unfamiliar styles. Many of them chattered in local dialects. Kostroma was a watery planet, from whose islands had sprung a hundred distinct tongues during the long hiatus in star travel. Even though speaking universal, now the common language of the planet, as well as that of interstellar trade, did so in an accent strange to cinnabar ears. Civilization hadn't vanished on Kostroma, as it had on so many worlds colonized during the first period of human star travel, but Kostroman society had fragmented without the lure of the stars to unify it. The centuries since Kostroma returned to space hadn't fully healed the social fabric. The present elector, Walter III of the Hajas clan, had seized power in a coup only six months before. Nobody doubted that Walter intended to retain Kostroma's traditional friendship with the Republic of Cinnabar, but the new elector needed money. At the present state of the war between Cinnabar and the Alliance of Free Stars, Walter's hint that he might not renew the reciprocity agreement when it came due in three months had been enough to bring a high-level delegation from Cinnabar. Daniel sighed. A high-level delegation with one junior lieutenant thrown in as a make-weight. Daniel had almost certainly been sent because he was the son of the politically powerful Cordor Leary, former Speaker of the Cinnabar Senate. Daniel's bad relationship with his father was no secret in the RCN, but the ins and outs of Cinnabar families wouldn't be common knowledge on Kostroma. A man came out of a doorway pushing himself onto the crowded pavement while calling final instructions to someone within the building. Daniel would have avoided the fellow if there had been room. There wasn't, so he set his shoulder instead, and it was the larger Kostroman who bounced back with a surprised grunt. No one took notice of what was merely a normal hazard of city life. Daniel walked on, eyeing with interest the carven swags and volutes that decorated unpretentious four-story apartment buildings. Kostromans didn't duel the way members of Cinnabar's wealthy families sometimes did. On the other hand, feuds and assassinations were accepted features of Kostroman social life. Daniel supposed it was whatever you were used to. In Zenos, Cinnabar's capital, real magnates like Corder Leary, moved through the streets with an entourage of fifty or more clients, some of whom might be senators themselves. You stepped aside, or the liveried toughs leading the procession knocked you aside. The free citizens of the galaxy's proudest republic accepted, indeed expected, that their leaders would behave in such fashion. Who would obey a man who lacked a strong sense of his own honor? Birds fluted as they spun in tight curves from roof-coping to roof-coping overhead. They were avian in the same sense as the scaly birds of Cinnabar, the winged amphibians of Satistor, or the flyers of a thousand other worlds that humans had visited and described. The details were for scientists to chart and for quick-eyed amateurs like Daniel Leary to notice with delight. During the final quarrel, Daniel had said he'd take nothing from his father, but the Leary name had brought Daniel to Kostroma. Well, the name was his by right, not his father's gift. Daniel didn't have a shipboard appointment, and he really had no duties, even as part of Admiral Dame Martina Lasowski's delegation. But he'd reached the stars. 
The Kostroman navy was small compared to the fleets of Cinnabar and the Alliance, and even so, it was larger than it was efficient. Kostroma's captains and sailors were of excellent quality, but the merchant fleet took the greater and the better part of the personnel. Ratings in the Kostroman navy were largely foreigners. Officers were generally men who preferred the high life in Kostroma city to hard voyaging, and the ships spent most of their time laid up with their ports sealed and their movable equipment warehoused, floating in a damned lagoon south of the capital called the Navy Pool. A starship was landing in the floating harbor. Daniel turned to watch, sliding the naval goggles down from his cap brim against the glare. Starships took off and landed on water, both because of the damage their plasma motors would do to solid ground, and because water was an ideal reaction mass to be converted to plasma. Once out of a planet's atmosphere, ships used their high drive, a matter-antimatter conversion process, and far more efficient, but to switch to high drive too early was to court disaster.